0: So what do you talk about on Resurrection Sunday? (laughs) The the sermons on the Resurrection probably could fill uh, all the libraries in the world. The the messages that have been given, the devotionals that have been given. And um, it... For a long time, my theme on each of the uh, uh, Resurrection Sundays was taken from uh, the song, Christ the Lord is Risen Today. That last verse, I, I love those words, ours the cross, the grave, the skies. We used to have that up on the, one of the churches uh, above the, uh, the, the chancel uh, every Resurrection Sunday. Um, because it's such a powerful message. Uh, This day is the bedrock of our confession. Jesus rose from the dead, and because he lives, we can face both life and death. This day points to our blessed hope that one day he will return, and those who have fallen asleep in him will be raised from the dead, and we who are alive and remain will be changed and gathered with them, To live and reign with him when he comes into his kingdom. It's a good day. He is risen. So, today, what I want to do is uh, look at uh, a passage that we have already read, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'd like you to look with me at the first four verses of that uh, passage. In this writing, the Apostle Paul says, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you stand, and by which you are saved if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you of first importance what I received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised up on the third day according to the scriptures. That, that passage is important because it, these events of Holy Week, whether of the Exodus or of the passion of our Lord, happened according to the scriptures. God promised Abraham uh, that he would deliver them with a mighty hand. Uh, God told in the scriptures that he would raise Messiah from the dead. And so they're not rumors, and they're not stories made up to give us hope. They are events that God planned in eternity, foretold in his scriptures, and fulfilled in time and space according to those scriptures. So that's why I'm a text Christian. Uh, People are always, are you a spirit-filled Christian, are you a born-again Christian, are you a... You know, uh, once saved, always saved Christian. Are you a traditional Christian? Are you a historical Christian? Are you a hysterical Christian? What, what are you? Uh, I always say I'm a text Christian. The text, the biblical text is what I cling to. I am knowledgeable of and have respect for the traditions of Judaism and Christianity in all of their variation and emphasis. But for me, the scriptures alone have the final authority for our faith. So when tradition circumvents the scriptures, that should be resisted. And traditions that promote trust and obedience of the scriptures, those should be honored. And we talked about some of that in our testimony time today. So I want us to look at the scriptures today uh, as the word of truth, and I want us to look at what I'm calling seeing the resurrected Jesus. I want to look specifically at the next four verses of this Corinthian uh, letter. So in verse 5, Paul says, He was, and he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve, and after that to more than 500 brethren, at one time, most of whom remain, but some have fallen asleep. And he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. And last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Uh, Paul gives us a list of the appearances of Jesus. And his list includes Cephas or Peter, the twelve disciples. Uh, After that, more than 500 uh, brethren. And he says, uh, some of them have died, uh, but many are still alive. He appeared to James and to the apostles and then Paul says, kind of out of the sequence, out of the order, he appeared to me also. These appearances are part of a group of texts in the newer testament and they give testimony to the witness of the early congregations of Yeshua regarding the fact of his resurrection. And I want to look at those texts today. I've never quite done this this way. Uh, and c- consider those who saw the resurrected Jesus. Several of the events of the uh, that Sunday morning involved seeing an empty tomb and the appearance of angels. I'm not going to specifically address those, though they will come up in these texts. But I want to look really at the appearances of Jesus that took place between the resurrection. And his ascension. Um, So most of this comes from the gospel of John. And from the writings of Luke. So I'd like you to turn with me to John chapter 20. Where we will begin. And we'll look first at the first ten verses. Now on the first Day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb. It was still dark, and she saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciples went forth, and they were going to the tomb. And they were running together and the other disciple, who is John, who is a younger man, (laughs) ran faster than Peter. And he came to the tomb first and stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and he entered into the tomb and he saw the lying wrappings uh, there. And the face cloth, which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. As you see on our altar table in the back, we have the, the, the item that represents the burial clothes. And next to it is rolled up a separate one to be the, the head cloth. When the other disciple came into the tomb and, and entered, he saw that and believed. John sees this and believes that there's been a resurrection. If a body's stolen, you're unlikely to roll up the headpiece. When the Lord apparently rose right out of it, out of those linen cloths and then rolls that one up and sets it there, it's a clear indication that he has been there and that he wasn't in a hurry. Now we are told by Matthew and by Luke that several women came to the tomb But in this passage, we are only told the story of Mary Magdalene. And so I want to try to uh, express this to you so that you can get these. Because many of these passages go back and forth between the events. And if you don't know the sequence of the events, they just blur. So Mary comes first. She probably arrived earliest at the tomb. It's not quite sunrise yet, and she sees the tomb uh, open, and she, uh, she immediately thinks something's wrong and heads back. Now, probably as she heads back, she sees the other women arriving because she will say, we don't know what's going on. Uh, but but John is making it clear that she looks and, and heads back to the house. She tells Peter and she tells John uh, that the body's been removed. If we continue reading... Uh, we will see uh, other things. But uh, let me talk about what Luke uh, gives us in this context. The other women also arrive at the tomb and probably just after Mary Magdalene. They are confronted with an angel who tells them that Jesus is risen. He gives them a message for the disciples that he will meet them in the Galilee and the women return to the disciples and claim that Jesus is alive. So what we have is we have... Peter and John, first being told by Mary as she comes in, they've stolen the body. And then what we have is the other women coming back and saying, we saw an angel, and the angel said that he's risen. If you read the biblical passages, the disciples think this is all nonsense. But something's wrong. And so in verses 4 to 6 in our passage here, verse 20, uh, chapter 20, it says that the two ran together. They went forth To the tomb. they got to find out what's going on. That's what's going on in this context. There is two stories. The body's been stolen. We saw angels. Well, we'll check it out for ourselves. And they go running. And and when they get there, uh, John uh, stops at the tomb. And he's trying to look in there. What's going on? It's open. He sees no angels. And then... Uh, Peter goes in and he sees the grave clothes and he doesn't know what to make of it. John then enters in and sees that headpiece rolled separately and he believes the resurrection. Interesting, they see no angels and they don't see the resurrected Lord. So, they go back to their houses, we're told, in in verse 10. So now I want to pick it up at verse 11. Mary probably follows them when they run back to the tomb. And so when when they leave for their house, Mary remains at the sepulcher. And so verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. And so as she wept, she stoop, stooped and looked into the tomb. These tombs have low, you know, they're not full-size to walk in this way. That stone is lower and you have to, you have to bend down to, to go into the tomb. She stoops down to look inside. And the scripture says that she saw two angels in white. One sitting at the head and one sitting at the feet where the body of Jesus had been lying. So just like those two candlesticks there we have, they they see there's one sitting here and there's one sitting there. Mary is seeing two angels. Now Peter and John has just just been in there and they didn't see any angels. I don't think the angels stepped out for a moment. Uh, They just didn't appear. But they are going to appear to Mary and they're going to speak to her. The angels appeared to the women. The women are very important in this context. And so, they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, I suppose she thinks that these are are men in in white robes. Uh, And uh, they're there, you know. Something's wrong. She carries on the conversation. Her her belief is his body's been stolen and it needs to be found. When she said this, she turns around. Remember, she's looking through there. She's not in the tomb. She's looking through it. She turns around and sees another person. She saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was him. And Jesus says to her, Woman, Why are you weeping? Same thing. Who are you seeking? And she now supposes he's the gardener. And she says to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Mary is not predisposed to believe that he's risen from the dead. She is so in grief I mean, imagine she's just lost him. She's so in grief. And now his body is taken. She's beside herself. And Jesus just says to her, Mary. She'd heard that voice. She'd heard her master's voice a lot of times saying, Mary. And he just says to her, Mary. Mary. And she grabs him and says, Rabboni, my rabbi, this enduring, my teacher, my master, he's here. And he says to her, Don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them that I will ascend to my father and to your father. To my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene came announcing to the disciples. I have seen the Lord. <laughs> A story has changed. She comes in and tells Peter and John. They've stolen the body. And the women come back and said, we saw angels. Mary doesn't come back and say I saw angels too. <laughs> Mary is the first person of all who knew Jesus. All who knew Jesus. To see him alive. And to touch him. And to have him speak to her. And he speaks to her. Why do you weep? And says her name. That he gives her a message for the disciples. Who had been there. The angels didn't talk to them. Jesus didn't talk to them. The story first came, and the reality came to the women. Now, I want you to look at Luke chapter 24. Because uh, this these events all happened probably in that early morning time. So there is a lot of discussion, I'm sure, going on. Between the disciples. One person has seen the Lord alive. Others have seen angels who told them a message. And the men have seen an empty tomb. And the grave clothes. In Luke 24 verse 13. We're told behold two of them. Were going that very day. To a village named Emmaus. Which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they were talking to each other about all these things which had taken place. And while they were talking and discussing. Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented uh, from recognizing him. So you have two two of the people who are are disciples of Jesus. Not of the twelve, but others. And and they've decided they're going to leave Jerusalem. And they're going to this village. Now, Emmaus is just uh, uh, west of Jerusalem, heading towards uh, Joppa, down at the coast of the Mediterranean. And so, they're they're leaving Jerusalem, and they're talking about these, boy, man. Stuff going on. These stories from the women, and I don't know what's going on. And and uh, you know, let's let's go. And this other traveler walks up. Now it's not unusual for travelers, uh, because of bandits and other things, to uh, group together. And so here comes another person to to talk with them. And he said to them, Where, "What are you talking about with these words as you're walking?" And they stood still looking sad. It was a sad time. One of them named Cleopas. The other one is believed to be Luke himself. Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and you're unaware of these things which have happened these days? Are you kidding me? You don't know what we're talking about? And he said to them, What things? They said, the things about Jesus the Nazarene. He was a prophet mighty indeed, and word in the sight of God and in all the people. And the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to a sentence of death and they crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. He's been gone three days. But this morning some women amazed us. They were at the tomb really early this morning. They couldn't find his body. And they were saying something about seeing angels. And 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 the angels said he was alive. Some of the men then went to the tomb with us. Uh, and, and they found it exactly as the women had said. But they didn't see him. And they didn't see the angel. So the men say, yeah, there's an empty tomb and the grave clothes are there. And the women say, the angels told us that he's risen. And Mary says, I've seen him. We don't know what to believe. But you should, Jesus says. Oh, foolish men and slow of heart, to believe that all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then, now remember, they're walking seven miles. A seven-mile trip. It's going to take all afternoon. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explains to them concerning himself and all the scriptures. I want that tape. I want that tape. The problem is, we don't have it. So we're going to have to search the scriptures ourselves. This is one of the verses that causes me to be a text person who's always looking at the text. And they approached the village that they were going, and he acted as though he was going a little farther. So they urged him, saying, stay with us, it's getting toward evening. So it's probably now, probably three in the afternoon, moving more towards evening. The day is nearly over and so he went in to stay with them and when he had reclined at the table, so they invited him to eat. He took bread and he blessed it and he gave it to them. Man, they don't know who they're with. He picks up that bread and he blesses it doing the Hamotzi blessing just as he had done with his disciples just he had done with the miracle of the loaves just he had done so many times and immediately the scripture says their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished just a glimpse they had spent several hours with Jesus explaining the scriptures and all that it meant of him. Didn't know who he was. And then he breaks the bread. They see who he is and he's gone. They said to one another, didn't our hearts burn within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Now it's dark, coming up dark. This is too good news, okay? We have to go back and tell them, we've seen the Lord. And so up they go and seven miles back. And they said, the Lord has really risen. And he peered to Simon. So they're telling their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Pretty pretty fantastic stuff. I want you to go back to John chapter 20 with me. Because Jesus is not done appearing that first day. In John chapter 20... Verse nineteen. Now, Luke goes on. If we continued in Luke, he would tell us that Jesus would end up appearing uh, while these guys are telling their story. But John gives us a better um, explanation of of the context there. So, in John twenty, verse nineteen, it is evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Judeans, the the authorities. Uh, So, these guys are saying, he really has, he really has risen, you know. And Mary's seen him, and the angel's story is true, and the doors are locked. And then all of a sudden, Jesus is there. And he says to them, shalom alechem, peace be unto you. When he said that, he showed them his hands and his side and the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Fulfilling that scripture, you will be sad and you will not see me. And then a little while, you will see me and you will rejoice. Jesus said to them again, Shalom Aleichem. As the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. And we had said that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins will have been forgiven. And if you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. So what he's doing is he's beginning this commissioning that doesn't happen once. We always read just once. It happens several times during this period. Now John goes on and tells us of one more appearance. He says, Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus... He's a twin. That's what Didymus means. Thomas the twin was not with them. So the other disciples were saying to them, We have seen the Lord. They're saying the same thing Mary said, right? He said to them, You know what? I'm from Missouri. That's not what he's saying, but that's the idea. Okay? Unless I see his hands, the imprint of his nails, put my finger in the place of the nails and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. I know you guys believe it, okay? And it started with the women and then it came to the men and I, okay, but I have to see it myself or I'm not going to believe. So, a week later, the disciples are again inside and Thomas was with them. And Jesus came again with the doors being shut and he says, Shalom Aleichem. And then he walks over to Thomas. Reach here with your finger and see my hands. Reach here with your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Now, catch this. If you read these, you begin to realize the Lord knows everything that's being said and everything that's going on. And he's watching over them. And he's trying to get them to to trust And they're still in the, I got to see it. And so Thomas is there. And Thomas says, My Lord and my God. I'm going to leave that next verse alone for a minute. All of this stuff that we've been talking about took place in Jerusalem within the day of the resurrection or just within eight days after. But Jesus had a message for them, remember? He told them to go to Galilee. So the next appearance series takes place in the Galilee. So turn with me to Matthew 28. In Matthew 28, passage that we're very familiar with. Verse 16 says, The eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. Now there's a lot of discussion about what mountain this is. A lot of people think it's the mountain of the Beatitudes or the mountain where the feeding of the 5,000 took place. It's likely that that was the mountain. They knew the places where they had always been with their master from time to time. And so there is a mountain, and he said, I will see you in, in, in the Galilee. But they've already seen him quicker uh, than that. But they're going to go up to the Galilee. Passover is over. They go back up to their, to their regular homes, and they are in the Galilee. It says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up to them and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth you are to make disciples as you go, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and you are to teach them to observe everything that I commanded you, and I will be with you always. That does not happen on the Mount of Olives. He does not ascend after saying that. This is during the 40 days in the Galilee. He has told them in the room uh, in Jerusalem that you're going to be my witnesses and I'm going I'm to send you as the Father sent me. Now he says, uh, you are going to make disciples among all the nations uh, and I will be with you in that context. And then there is one more appearance that John tells us that takes place in the Galilee. So I want you to turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, uh, beginning at verse 1. After these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. This is the Sea of Galilee. And he manifested himself in this way. Simon Peter was there. Thomas, called Didymus, was there. Nathanael, do you remember Nathanael? He was sitting under the fig tree was there. The two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other disciples, right? So it's not all of them, but a good group of them. These guys had mostly been disciples of John the Baptist. They were fishermen. They probably owned the fishing business. That's why they could travel around. And uh, they, were, they were back at, at the area where the fishing was done. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we will come also. Now what he's saying is, I'm going to work. He's not saying, gee, I think I'll go fishing. This is, not, this is not retirement. Okay, He's going back to work. Remember what Jesus had said to him. You follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. right? And they said, we're going to come with you. And they got in the boat and they went out in the boat and they caught nothing. Now this is an all-night fishing trip. They tended to fish at night. And when it was day was breaking, Jesus is standing on the beach, but the disciples don't know that it's him. He's not with them all the whole time during these forty days. It's on and off during there that he would just show up in the midst of their normal life. Children, do you not have any fish? And they say, Nope. So he says to them, Cast your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find a catch. So they cast and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. So the disciple whom Jesus loved, it's John, he turns to Peter. He says, it's the Lord. It's got to be the Lord. That's, that's got, I mean, he's on the shore. They, so Peter heard it was the Lord. He grabs his outer garment because uh, he's down to just his loin uh, covering. And he throws himself into the sea. He doesn't walk this time. He just swims, right? And the other disciple uh, came in. The other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards away, uh, dragging the full net of fish. Come on, guys! Come on, let's get in there. And when they got there, they saw a charcoal fire already laid out, and the fish and fish were placed on it, and bread. And he said to them, "Bring some of the fish which you now have caught." And Simon Peter went up and threw the net to land, full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three. 153 fish is a lot of fish. I'm sure that number means something, but I don't have a clue what it is. And there were so many, and yet the net was not torn. You get the idea that the Lord's kind of watching over them? I'll be with you always. John says this is the third time that Jesus was manifest to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So now... It's getting close to the end of the counting of the Omer. It's time to go back to Jerusalem for Shavuot, or Pentecost. and They're going to arrive about ten days early. And that moves us to the book of Acts, chapter 1, verse 2. Luke says... Uh, I wrote to you about all that Jesus did until the day he was taken up to heaven. And he had given orders to his apostles whom he had chosen. To these he presented himself alive after his sufferings by many convincing proofs. Appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. So he gathered them together and commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father, uh, for what the Father had promised which you have heard from me. Because John baptized you uh, with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We're back to the beginning of all the Gospels, where John is the first one that we see. And they're asking him, Lord, you're talking about the kingdom. Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? He says, it's not for you to know the times or the epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts, the remotest parts of the world. And then now, after he says these things, this is out over the Mount of Olives, right down on the other side is the little village of uh, Bethany and that's where he goes. And... uh, They're about a Sabbath day's journey, he says. Um, And what happens is, he ascends, verse 9. When he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on. A cloud received him out of their sight. I stood on the Mount of Olives near that area. It was completely overcast. And I wanted to get a picture of the city. And I kept thinking, why won't the... You know, why won't the sun come out? And all of a sudden, right above me, the, the sky opened up, and I could see blue sky only above me on the Mount of Olives. And the sun shining down onto that city, that golden gate of the, of the beautiful gate of the temple. And I, I couldn't take a picture of the city. I had to take a picture of that, but it didn't come out because it's just blue because I didn't get the edge of the clouds. <laughs> but I had the experience. So they're watching and then we have angels again. As they were gazing intently into the sky, two men in white clothing stood beside them. You know, there are angels probably all around all the time and we don't know about it. They just kind of, I don't don't know what they do to appear, but they're able to do that. And they said, hey, you Galileans, why are you looking in the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come again just in the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. And Zechariah says he'll come right back down and step his foot on that Mount of Olives. So Jesus appeared in, from time to time in Jerusalem, in Galilee, and back again in Jerusalem. And they will return and begin to spread the word of their Lord in their preaching and in the writings that we call the Newer Testament. I left out a verse and there's another appearance but it doesn't happen in this time. It's Paul on the road to Damascus. That's why he says, I'm out of the normal sequence here. I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. But it was Jesus himself said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Acts chapter 9 tells that. But I left out a verse and it's John chapter 20, verse 29. Thomas said, I'm not believing unless I see it myself. Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, you are believing. Blessed are those who did not see and yet believe. In his great high priest prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, protect them, Lord, watch over them. Sanctify them by their by thy truth thy word is truth according to the scriptures. and he said, I don't pray for these only but by everyone who will believe on account of their word. this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ given to us by those who saw him, given to us handed down over and over again from generation to generation. And you and I have believed. And you get that sense when you really get the word of God and it begins to to dawn on you. Like they put the verse in there for the first time, right? And your heart burns within you. Because he is in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He is alive. He is risen. They saw him and believed. We have heard their words. And faith has come to our hearts. So we also confess that we believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Let's pray.